In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today, I'd like to start with a question. What do the following people have in common? Abraham Lincoln, who produced transformational change in America, which extended opportunity and liberty for all. Mother Teresa, who served the poor and disenfranchised, especially through boldly expressing her opinions and calling for change. Martin Luther King Jr., who recognized the need for equality and by his speeches was able to leave a lasting legacy. And Albert Schweitzer, who provided medical treatment to thousands of patients across Africa, sometimes traveling hundreds of miles to serve just one patient. Well, they're all considered to have the main attributes that today's society recognizes characteristics of servant leaders. They consider themselves to be servants. They made choices to lead. They ensured other people's needs are being met. And they ensured their choices and their actions will benefit the least privileged in society. Now this phrase, servant leadership, was coined by Robert Greenleaf when he used it for the first time in his essay that was published in 1970. He then went on to establish a management training organization known as the Servant Leadership Institute. Now some think this management practice has only been around for 50 years, but we know it was taught and practiced by the greatest servant leader of all, our Lord Jesus Christ. And today in our Gospels reading, we hear of his teaching as he starts to change the attitude of his disciples into servant leaders. A society in Jesus' time could be considered a, a transactional society, a social and religious hierarchy wielding power through wealth and inherited organization, where people were seen and used as assets by both the secular and the religious authorities to achieve their worldly outcomes. And people's worth was measured by the transactions they had with others. So we shouldn't be surprised by James and John thinking there's an organizational hierarchy in heaven as they discuss their ambitions and as they approach Jesus. These disciples had been with our Lord for about three years and on his journey to Jerusalem and the cross he shared his prediction of his death with his disciples three times. In the first prediction, Peter rebuked him, only to be rebuked in return. And Jesus then tells the crowd, If any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. In the second prediction, the disciples argued about who was the greatest. And Jesus tells them that if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And in the third prediction, in today's passage, the disciples argue about heavenly power and authority. And Jesus tells them, 
Whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever must be would be first among you must be slave of all. Now as Jesus is about to enter Jerusalem and confront the temple-based aristocracy, James and John request privileged places of authority and power to sit with Jesus in his glory. They ask, Teacher, we want you to do whatever we ask of you. We may think this audacious and a little disrespectful, but just before this, when Jesus taught the disciples how to pray, they were all told, Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. And these words are exactly the same in the Gospels of both Mark and Luke as Jesus reveals to them that he has the power and the authority to answer their prayers. So in response, Jesus asks, What do you want me to do? A question which allows them to answer their own question, but setting them up to be part of his teaching. It is a simple response that anyone would expect. But for Jesus, it will reveal the worldly ambitions in their hearts. They ask, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. They're asking to be like a, ki a king's advisors at his right and left hands. But they miss the meaning of his glory. They do not really understand what sharing in his glory will mean on a day-to-day -day basis. And the rest of the disciples were upset with James and John's pride and self-ambition. And they, because they seem to think they may be more important than the rest of them. Jesus saw a power struggle was developing and he had to do something about it. He doesn't show his disappointment with the request or with his disciples' power struggle. Instead, he invites them into a conversation to understand what their ministry would involve. Jesus used the request of James and John as a teaching moment for all his disciples, both then and today, revealing the servanthood needed to follow him. Jesus leads them away from these thoughts of worldly ambition and into a spiritual realm. He challenges them to join him in his work of salvation, drinking from the cup and then be baptized, immersed in his work of the new covenant. James and John are thinking of participating in his glory, not knowing that they're ask what they're asking for, not knowing that they're asking to join him on a journey involving great pain and sacrifice. Then he started teaching them the meaning of true greatness by comparing worldly greatness and power 
with God's greatness, both on earth and in heaven. God's greatness does not equate to lording it over others or exercising authority over them, but showing humility, caring and servanthood. When we study the scriptures, we should all be amazed by the humility and servitude of Jesus. He was God in the flesh. The Word who with the Father and the Holy Spirit created the universe. And yet he came not to be served, but to serve others, especially those less fortunate. So in our world it can be easy to lose sight of what it means to be great in God's eyes. And if we want to be servants and leaders, we just need to slow down and open our eyes. Then we will see opportunities to serve are all around us. And that we need to transform ourselves through servanthood. To do this, we should actively seek to develop the characteristics that the Servant Leadership Institute has identified for us such as the need to understand the perspective of others, to value others and assist them to realize their full potential, to be true to ourselves both publicly and privately, to have the courage to embrace innovation and change, to hold ourselves accountable, to practice good stewardship of all that God's given us. But most of all, we need to go in love and serve the Lord. Amen.